You know, but before I pray, I just, I think about, I love the names of stuff. I love the idea of, of awaken, right? I just love that. And to, to understand it, for, for me to ask the question, Lord, how do I become awaken? Isn't that what we're all longing for? I mean, I just, there's got to be more. I, I know every day I just go, Lord, there has to be more, right? Because if this is it, then why did you make me? Right? I know there's more. I know there's more that I can tap into. But, but in asking the question, I just want us to first just, just get a mental picture of kind of what's going on. And we can always start at the creation story. You know, we, we think about creation is that it started with God separating light from dark, but that's not where the creation story started. Creation story started as in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So the Spirit of God was fluttering. Just, I, mean, I like that translation better. Just picture the, 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 the Spirit of God fluttering over chaos. That's what he was doing. And so at the end of 2 Corinthians, Paul kind of lays out, he really lays out the Godhead. He says that, that there's a God of love. Jesus is the God of grace. And that the Spirit is the God of community. And, and so here's what's happening. So there's chaos. God sends his spirit of love, and he's really making a declaration. He's saying, this is my intention. My intention is to engage in this land. My intention is to live in community with this land. And so I'm going to send my spirit that's going to hover over this, because once you understand my spirit, the spirit is what engages in my love. And so... I just think about our life as you're just thinking about the chaos that we're in. So the spirit comes, and then, then after that, God separates light from dark. So there's this beautiful picture. If you want to come alive, if you want to be a new creation, it goes something like this. The spirit of God comes over you. That's the only reason that you're even aware that there's more. The spirit of God is hovering over you, and he's fluttering, and he's making his intentions known. And, and he's sitting there saying... When we can separate light from dark, you will become into a new creation. And that's what we have. That's what we're looking at. And so I felt like, and so Lord, we just pray that. Spirit, uh, let us hear your wings. I just think about a little hummingbird over us. Father God, make your intentions known. Lord, this is a, this is a story for each one of us purpose. Just personally, this is not a corporate message. Lord, this is a message to each one of us. He's fluttering over our chaos, asking for us to engage with the God of community that will then unleash the God of love and the God of grace. Spirit, take us to new depths where we can move in new levels of love, and new levels of grace, new levels of mercy. Awaken us. Awaken us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't, I don't usually do this. I was in San Jose um, this weekend, and, and so I knew I was going to be here on Wednesday night, and I, I really felt like the Lord was like, Brian, I want you to tell more of your story. Not that I don't tell my story. I just don't usually tell it in a, in a corporate church setting. 
And so I was just like, okay, Lord, I'll trust you. And, and so my story of just really how did I fall in love with Jesus? How did the spirit come and hover over me? How did he separate the light from darkness and just create in me something that has absolutely blown my mind? And so this was eight years ago is when it started. And to, to the point, this was a kind of a, a cool thing. I, I realized I was actually sharing someone my story yesterday because I think the Lord always wants us to be vulnerable. He always wants us to, to be authentic. He always wants to show off as well because all of us, if we have a story that we've moved from death to life, it's just really God showing off in each one of our lives. So we're supposed to share it. It's not ours. There's no shame in it. It's a beautiful thing that just talks about the goodness of the Lord. And so for me, it was such a dramatic change in my life that even though I'm scared of needles, I went and had a tattoo put on my ribs and it just says, I am revival. And under it, I put the date. And the date is January 27th, 2008. So it was eight years ago today, which was just really, yeah, thank you. It, it was just a beautiful confirmation to me that the Lord wanted to talk about this tonight, that he wanted to release something that, that happened to me eight years ago to whoever is ready to receive it or whoever wants to receive what the Lord is doing. So I, I will tell you this, I went last night with JR and a team to, to YWAM and I was talking with them briefly and just, just really, I think we have a tendency when we hear a testimony, we just kind of hear the story. And that's not the point of the testimony. The point of the testimony is just to begin to always show the power of the blood of Jesus. But the other thing about it, and Jesus often taught about the, the kingdom and, and the keys to the kingdom. And I think about, man, if I could unlock the kingdom of God, and can you imagine if I can unlock the doors so I can run freely with full authority and zero restrictions? How can I do that? Well, every time there's an encounter with God, there's principles that you can grab. And those principles are keys, right? And they're the truth to the kingdom. And so the minute you grab a, a principle and put it in your life, you've just opened up a door in the kingdom of God and you've had access to it. And so every time we hear a story, so I want to share this story, but what I really want you to get are the principles, because it's not about my story. If you hear the principles and unleash them, your life begins to change, because it's just God's truth, right? God's a God of order, and it's just his truth. And so 10 years ago, uh, Sunday's my 13-year anniversary, and so 10 years ago, little did I know that, that my little desperate wife of, of being married three years had this simple prayer that she prayed, power of a praying wife, and she prayed this over us all the time. Lord, just give me a husband that'll pray with me. That was her wild dream in life. If, if God would just give her that, a husband that would pray for her. And so for, 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 for two years consistently, she prayed. I never knew that she wasn't satisfied in our marriage. She never complained about what a bomb I was. She just prayed. It was just a beautiful picture of just a, a, a wife that just says, I'm going to take it to the one place that can matter, and I'm going to pray this until I see it. I'm going to pray it until it comes into be. I'm going to pray it. Literally, I'm going to call that into order, into existence, what isn't right now. And so she prayed it. And so fast forward two years. It was a Christmas day, uh, you know, great day. Christmas is, is wonderful. And at this point, my my two-year-old daughter comes in. It's Christmas night. I'm doing the dishes. I kind of threw that in just to make a point. Uh, I was doing the Christmas dishes. Uh, and our daughter came in, two-year-old daughter, and says, hey, by the way, 
uh, wit, our one-year-old son, is, is on the bottom of the swimming pool. And so my wife runs out, and she dives in the pool, and she pulls him out, pumps him. He coughs. He's fine. And that was the beginning of me crying for three straight weeks. I didn't understand it. My wife was like, why are you crying? Like, this is a beautiful thing. This is a merciful event. But there was a, a, a safety latch that I didn't fix, and it was just going to be my fault. And it just, I can look back now, and really God just used that event to begin to soften my hard heart that was in me. And so this went on for about three weeks, and my wife was at a Bethmore Bible study just in Houston. She films them live, and so my, my wife goes, and Beth comes down, and she's walking up and down the aisles. And she made this statement. She says, the truth will never hurt you. It will only set you free. And she looked right at my wife, and she said that Beth's eyes were on fire. Like she was just lit up with the Spirit of God in a way that my wife couldn't miss it. And so she's driving home, and she's just asking the Lord about it. She's saying, Lord, what do I do with this? What does that mean? And the Lord said, Candace, I need you to forgive Brian for something. There's some things I need to do in him, but I need you to forgive him. And she's like, well, Lord, what am I forgiving him for? And he says, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is I'm calling you into forgiveness, and either you're going to come into agreement with who I am or you're not. And so she got up the next morning. She just sat down before the Lord, and she said, okay, Lord, I'm in. I don't care what it is. I'm in. And she just instantly became into, came into agreement. Here's what she said. She'll tell you that she knew two things. Uh, she knew that, that at that moment she had to be obedient, that her lack of understanding had nothing to do with the, the need to be obedient. And often understanding doesn't come until after your obedience. So she knew that she had to be obedient. And there's the other truth that she learned. The safest place that any of us can be is in the center of God's will. And so some of us, we're, we're living in chaos and we're living in fear and we're, we're, we're covered in anxiety. And sometimes you got to look at it and go, Lord, what part of my life have I not come into obedience so I can rest in the center of your will because I know that's the only place that's good for me. That's the only place that I can find safety and peace. And so she sat down and did that. And she came into agreement with it. I was in Seattle. Later that night, she calls me and she tells me this story. And she's, Brian, I just went through all of it and I'm just going, that's fascinating. I have no idea what that could possibly be, but it's fascinating. And I get off the phone and I remember laying back on the bed and I just start having a conversation with God and go, this isn't happening. I will not do what you want done. Right? Um, and some of you might have made this statement before. I'm free enough. Right? I'm free enough. I'm happy enough. Right? My, my life is good enough. Which again just flies in the face of what Jesus said. He came to give you life and that in abundance. He didn't come to have, to have a decent life. So I, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in East Texas in the Bible Belt and, you know, just get your fire insurance and going about your life. And so I was like, Lord, I believe I have fire insurance and I, that's enough to get me into heaven. And I had a picture of me leaning up against a fence in heaven and the gathering was so massive that we couldn't all be near Jesus and I was just going to be the one of the ones that, that had a general mission ticket and I was going to be able to see Jesus on the jumbotron. But I'm like, God, that's enough for me. 
That's probably the first time in my life I, 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 I heard the audible voice of God. And again, this doesn't fit with your theology. I'm just, I'm sharing with you my journey and uh, what I felt like and how the Lord spoke to me. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord said, Brian, I put wit in the swimming pool and I pulled him out unharmed. But just know this, I'm a sovereign Lord. And if I want you to bend your knee, you will bend your knee. And I was like, wow. I was so overwhelmed by that. that I said, I'll do it. And I went downstairs and I had five martinis. And I don't remember much of the night. I wasn't an alcoholic. I just needed that. As a, or I thought it was the last drink I've had in, in eight years. But that's where I ran. I said, Lord, I'm coming in. I didn't care about my life, but I mean, how could I? God has already broken my heart at the thought of losing a child. And if he's saying, man, I can bend your knee. I don't think God was threatening me. He was just telling me the truth. And so I went back and I dodged my wife for about four days. Uh, I did. I just didn't want to see her. But an interesting thing, the Lord had me start journaling the day before. On the January 26th of 2008, I started journaling. And I was just journaling my heart to the Lord and my fear. But, but that I'm in, that I don't care. That I was fully prepared to lose everything. Because that really should have been the cost for my life. My cost should be to lose everything. And so I'm like, Lord, I'll do it. An interesting thing happened. My wife came up to me. He says, Brian, we need to talk. He said, I just want you to know before you say a word, the Lord told me to be excited about what you're about to tell me. Wow. And the Lord doesn't know the full story. I'm thinking the Lord's got some of my details mixed up with someone else. But, but that's just the, the position that when she came into agreement with what the Lord was doing, as her world was about to be rocked, this, this God we serve said, get excited. And I think that's the message for some of you right now, that you're in the middle of something that's got you spinning. And what the Lord really wants you to say is be excited about this. This is actually a good thing that you're going through, right? Because we've got to pass through it. And so I just, I begin to, I begin to tell my wife that uh, I traveled for a living. I've traveled all over the U.S. and Canada. I begin to tell my wife that I just had uh, multiple affairs, just a serial just over and over throughout a long history of time. I remember putting my, my head in my face and just, just bawling. One, glad to get done with it, but really bawling in shame. Uh, you know, part of my story is I was divorced and I have three kids from a first marriage and I picked up on the weekends and just was that dad and I just buried my, my head in my, and I just started going, okay, this is the cost of sin. I'll have five kids that I'll keep on the weekend. The next thing I know, my wife grabs my shirt and she pulls it down. And she says, you don't ever need to hide your face from me. She goes, I love you. And she held me. Now keep in mind, this is a woman that God said, be excited. So she's pretty connected at this moment with what the Spirit of God's doing. And he had her up. It really superhuman strength. I mean, some of you guys might have walked through this in some way, or maybe it's your worst nightmare. You go, how in the world? Could she sit there and react that way and hold you? Here's the most beautiful thing, and there's many beautiful things, but when she held me and she put her arms around me, boom, God ran through me. He started in my head, and he lit me up, 
and he went all the way down my body and he came out my toes. And I was undone. And I looked at my wife and I go, Jesus loves me. In the midst of this, I mean, that was, I'm like, Jesus loves me. And I was wrecked by it. Because I'm telling you, if, if you live that life, you never tell the truth. You can't. And so just all these things that I was just trying to control, and then the, the love of Jesus fell on me, and, and I don't know what I was going to tell her, but I knew what I was going to tell her then. And I told her everything. Some of the, the, the things that you would not want to tell your worst enemy, I had to share with my wife. And it took six months to just, you'd be somewhere and you'd see something, you'd go, mm, I, I need to go. Because the Lord instantly had me fall in love with the truth, absolute truth. There, there's no shades of truth. There's no white lies. There's no, well, I'm going to say it to protect them. It's going to hurt their feelings. It doesn't matter. No, that's not true. That is, setting a, that is putting a seed of darkness in you that will manifest into something much worse. There is no such thing. There's never a time that absolute truth didn't call for. Why? Because the truth will never hurt you. It will set you free. Because I fell in love with the truth, and so for six months, I started just having to get this out, even, even to where it was so painful. I was like, Lord, I, this is so painful. Why, why are we keep doing this? After about five months of continuing to have to go back and go, I have something else. And it's just breaking my heart for her. The enemy's wanting to shout, you know, cover me with, with, with shame. But I just had to get it out. I mean, I just, I mean, it just, I could not rest in it. I didn't realize at the time that, again, the spirit of the Lord was hovering over my chaos and he was inviting me into an intimacy through his spirit into the love and the grace of the Father. And part of that is there has to be a complete separation between light and dark. And so I just had to keep getting it out. I had to go tell my ex-wife things that she needed to know. I just had to go tell everybody, everybody anything, anything they needed to know. I just had to come and just ask for their grace. But, but, but in a lot of ways, it was just a journey I was on. I'm like, Lord, I'm all in. I don't care what man says. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care. Your love is unbelievable. And there's nothing that I would ever give up for that, ever. I remember asking myself, well, what, what are we doing here? Why is there more? And he gave me a picture, if you remember the movie The Green Mile, where the inmate gra grabs Tom Hanks and kind of sucks stuff out of him, and then he opens his mouth and just the darkness flies. He's like, Brian, that's what we're doing with confession. I'm scraping your insides, and we're not stopping until every little bit of darkness gets out of you because you're a new creation. And that cannot be in you. It just can't. And so through that process, finally they had a day that it was done. But my wife will tell you from that moment that I completely looked different. Like that I physically, in that moment, looked different by getting that, getting that death and getting that darkness out of me. And so I just begin this journey. And so again, I, my, my wife, as I'm you know, God was so faithful to her. I, I think I'm breaking her heart by going and telling her these details. And later she said, Brian, that's the only thing that kept me going. That's the only thing that kept me going. Because I'm like, if, if, if he will do that, I don't have to worry about anything. Because I still had to work. I still had to travel. 
I remember one morning, and again, I grew up Southern Baptist, so I don't, didn't grow up around the gifts. I didn't grow up anything. I, I did none of that. I can look back now and go, that moment in that confession, I was baptized in the Spirit. And I started moving in dreams and words of knowledge, and, and just God's voice was just always. Remember one, one morning he was telling me to go shave my head. And I'm like, I mean, it sounds like a familiar voice, but that doesn't, that's, first off, that's so random. Because now that I understand the whole purification process is not as random as I thought it was. But again, I'm like, Lord, I don't have to understand it. All I had, and it's really all that I have eight years later, is, is to be authentic, to be broken, and to be obedient. That's about all I can bring to the body. And so I just wanted to be that. I wanted to be broken and I wanted to be obedient. So I go out and I shave my head, right? Just like the redneck I am, I go out in, in my, my front yard <laughs> for all the neighbors. I take my shirt off and I shave my head. Sure, that's what they wanted on that beautiful morning. And I come in and my, my 12-year-old son goes, what did you do? I'm like, I know it's bad, but it's not that bad. He goes, no, what did you do? I don't know what you're talking about. I went there to my wife and I said, what, what, what is he talking about? And she just kind of shook her head and she goes, you're such an idiot. <laughs> like a loving, you know, sometimes you're, you're, as wives, you call your husband in a, like it's almost a flirty way. You're such an idiot. And that's what she, she said. I can't believe you did that. I said, what did you do? She goes, you have no idea. Do you? I go, no. And so she grabbed my iPhone and she took, she took a picture. And in it, she showed it to me. And on the back of my head that covered the whole back of my head was a perfect cross. And so what I didn't understand is that when I, well, God's telling me to shave my head, again, anytime we're in a movement or in an interaction, God's working in two people's lives. I have a, you know, we have a tendency to think that he's only active in mine and the other seven billion are going to have to work it out, right? But, but he's active in all mine. So sometimes even what I'm doing is actually to bless the other person. And so meanwhile, while God's saying for me to go shave my head, my wife is in her, her she's in her, you know, sink and she's looking in the mirror and she goes, God, how can I truly ever trust him? How can I trust him? And so when she saw the back of my head, God said, you will never have to worry about him again. That is my seal. I have touched him and he is mine. It was just like At that moment. I'd been living in fear that, Lord, am I going to do something stupid again? And I think that promise meant more to me than her, but it was just a promise that the Lord just sealed over us. And again, these little acts of obedience that we don't understand. But when we do it, we move in it. And so that's been eight years ago, and it's been this really crazy journey that we've been on. For eight years, we've just kind of, our life has become this beautiful thing. But when you look at it, there's a couple of things that happened. You know, forgiveness. I shared last Sunday in the first service that I was in the prisons and we prayed over many people and many of them got healed. What's interesting is the ones that didn't, we begin to talk to them about forgiveness because you just think about the bitterness and the hate that's in the prison system. Right? They've been, many of them have been abused and hadn't been treated correctly. But when they, when they went over there and I had to talk to them about forgiveness and they started releasing forgiveness, as they released forgiveness, so came the physical healing. Another guy that wasn't healed, but he didn't realize that he had, he went off and told his cellmate that he forgave him, and instantly just his pain went away. We don't understand that, that forgiveness, say it a different way, unforgiveness is what's choking the body. 
right? Oxygen, the oxygen that we breathe in the kingdom of God is forgiveness. That's it. That's the oxygen that we breathe. And so if we're moving in any kind of unforgiveness, and so I just look at my wife, what an unbelievable act. And I can tell you, had she not released unconditional forgiveness on me, I'm still dead. I'm just dead. It wasn't until she released that. And again, you got to remember, what was my wife praying for? A husband that would pray for her, pray with her. That's, that was her big want in life. Here's what's interesting. You guys have heard me say this before, but it's just a thing that we live by in my family. God will give you more than you ask for if you will receive it the way he wants to give it. He says, Candace, you want a husband that will pray for you? Oh, man. Little child, you don't have any idea what you should be asking for. But I'll give it to you. And I'll give it to you in a measure that will blow your mind that if I tried to tell you what I'm going to do in your husband, you won't even get it. So I'm not even going to bother. I'm just going to say, this thing that you're asking for, it's yours. Here's how you're going to get it. Forgive him. Forgive him. You know what? If she would have said no to that, I don't know what would have happened. I just know what wouldn't have. And it's this crazy concept that it's like it just seems so painful. But the Lord is like, I'm going to give you so much more. I said, I, I never realized it because you know, I just look at my wife and as you can imagine, she's my hero, right? She's the, she's the most amazing woman that God has put on this earth and she's perfect for me. It's just what I needed. But someone pointed out, and it's hard for me to receive, so I want to say it to some of you guys. The other part of the story is that there's this supernatural forgiveness that took place. It also takes supernatural humility to tell someone you love everything that you've ever done wrong. And it's when those two things come together, right? So, so you look at it and go, it's no coincidence that the Spirit hovered, made His intentions known. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to separate light from dark. And if you don't do that, there's no, there, there's no creation. That is the first step to being a new creation. Here's what I know that is in this room right now. I know there's some of you that have spoken an oath over your life that you'll never do that. That you will take that to the grave. I will never tell anyone. Because I'm free enough. Because I'm whole enough. Because I'm good enough. I have enough. And that voice comes from one place. It doesn't come from the throne room. That comes from the enemy. Anything, just get this, anything that you can't confess is the darkness that's living in you. And guess what that darkness is going to do? It's going to grow. And it's going to grow. And it's going to manifest itself in some way. And then there's some people here. You just won't, you won't embrace forgiveness. And you go, Brian, but you don't understand what I've been through. You're right, I don't. But again, you, you want to understand a, a key 
to unlock doors in God's kingdom, embrace this principle. Forgive. Period. While yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Forgiveness. The gospels, it's a gospel of forgiveness. It starts with God saying, I'm going to forgive them no matter. Watch what I'm going to do. It's not about our merit. It's not about our works. It's not about anything. It's about forgiveness. So I think there's three things that I really want you to get. One, I think for many of you, God's trying to give you this thing that you've been asking for for a long time. You just won't come into agreement with the way he wants to give it. And if you don't, you're never going to get it. You can stop praying that prayer. It's done. It's been established. He's willing to give it to you far beyond anything that you can ever expect or imagine. But he will not give it to you the way you want it. You know why? Is it because he's showing his power? No. No, it's not. It's because he knows what you need more than you do. Anytime God asks us to do something, he said, Candace, I need you to forgive Brian. That seems like a harsh thing for a father to tell his daughter. Just unconditional forgiveness. And we're not going to talk about it anymore. My wife wanted to go understand and ask a lot of questions and go on Facebook and find out who these people were. And the Lord said, why would you do that? Why would you try to understand the manipulation of the enemy? There's never going to be any understanding. There's never going to be any peace. There's never going to be anything that you can find in that. None. So just know, some of you guys that are trying to understand an evil act, what you're trying to do is get into the mind and understand the way the serpent moves. There's no life in it. Stay away from it. Let the the Lord counsel you on it. He'll tell you what he wants you to know, and nothing else matters. Man doesn't matter. The enemy sure doesn't matter. The voice of God wants to counsel you. He wants to commentate and tell you everything that you need to know about the situation. Let the rest of it go. But my wife says, I'll come into agreement with that. I'm in. I am in. I'll take it. I trust you. I trust you because I know if you're asking me to do something, so any of you that you think the Lord is asking you to do something impossible, let me tell you what he's asking you to do. And I think the measure of, the, of, of what he's asking you to do, the difficulty of it, is the measure of the blessing that he's inviting you into. Okay? So if you look at it and go, God, that's overwhelming. What I'm telling you to do is get excited about that overwhelming because what he's inviting you into is a blessing that will outrun the thing that he's asking you to walk in. And we look at it and go, Lord, I want a blessing, but I'm not taking it that way. He says, great, then you'll never be awoken. You can come back and you can sit in these chairs and you can sing to me and you can ask me to awaken you and I've already told you how I'm going to open you up in a way that will blow your mind. You will literally, when I'm finished with you, you will be a light to the world. You will rearrange everything that you come into contact with. You will walk into the room and the enemy will bow down because they'd see the kingdom of God in you, leaking out of you. When you open your mouth, it's like swords. It just makes them lay down. It's what he wants for every one of us. And so I wanted to leave time for us to, to respond Told Aaron, I always, after I speak, I always want the band to come because if the Lord's not speaking through me in a way that you need to react, I need to quit speaking.
or I need to spend a lot more time understanding what the Lord's wanting to release tonight so it won't be a waste of everyone's time. As I believe some of your hearts are pounding right now. Man. And I get it. And the question is, we love to sing good, good daddy. There's an invitation for the chaos to be gone, to be awakened into a life that exceeds your wildest expectations. And some of you need to receive it now the way he wants to give it to you. Some of you need to come into agreement with confessing something that you swore you'd never get because all you've done is partner with a dark world that wants to destroy you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And some of you might have walked through mine and my wife's story, and I understand it. I have a friend that walked through it, and his wife stuck with him, but she hadn't forgave him. She hadn't submitted to him. And, and the biblical submission does not mean, woman, I said, get me a drink. Submission means I'm going to give you all that I have. There's not one piece of me that I'm going to hold back. I'm going to submit my heart, my spirit, my dreams. I'm going to be so vulnerable. I'm going to be laid bare before you. I'm going to submit to that. And some of us need to just come into agreement with just saying, Lord, I don't trust him or her. Oh, glory do I trust you. And that's what we're bowing down in front of. We're bowing down in front of that. That's what we're coming and laying it down from. And so I'm just asking, man, if you need to just lay some forgiveness down or you need to confess, or there's just something that the Lord's asking you to deal with. Maybe you're here right now and you don't know Jesus as Lord. Let's do that. Let's just do that right now. Just come into agreement with that. So here's my question. Do you remember the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord? And if it doesn't, if you don't know, yes, then you need to do it right now. Like the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over you and He wants to come into community with you. Not did you go to church, not did you go to Sunday school. A lot of times you go, oh, I grew up in the church. That wasn't my question. Is there a day that you called Jesus Lord? Because if not, let's do that now. And so if any of you are here as a band plays, we would love to receive you up here. And if some of you need to forgive and confess, and even if you don't forgive the person now and confess the person, I just want you to come down before the Lord and confess to Him, which what is confession? It's coming into agreement with God's truth. Lord, I confess to you that, I, that my unforgiveness, I confess to you that my lack of confession, I confess to you my, my need to control every situation is the reason that you're not taking me into my blessing and my personal promised land. It's the reason I'm not being awoken into more. So just come confess that. Let's just lay ourselves bare and confess. Lord, we just ask for boldness today, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask for faith. We ask for supernatural uh, humility. Lord, we just ask that you, you change us right now. Because the greatest word of the enemy that he would use against you is tomorrow. If you can live in yesterday or tomorrow, you'll never live in today. And God's a God of right now. He doesn't want to deal with you tomorrow. He wants to deal with you right now. No matter how big, no matter how small, ask the Lord, Lord, does I, do I need to confess anything? Do I need to forgive anyone? Or do I need to let go and receive this thing that you've been trying to give me? Ask him. 
And if he gives you a word, come lay it down before him. Lay it down in Jesus' name. Amen.